Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On this episode, we are going to look at the week's NFL news and transactions, so coaching hires and anything else that comes up. We're going to recap the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk about risers and fallers from the Senior Bowl. Uh, And we're going to preview Super Bowl 58 with the Kansas City Chiefs and the 49ers. Let's get started with league news and jeff why don't you start us off yeah absolutely so i just want to get it kicked off by saying we are officially in beat writer and speculation season be careful for who you believe what you believe um as people are trying to stay relevant during this time so you may see rumors such as x player going to x team or x team having interest in x player might be true it might be false but uh right now is kind of that lull in the non-playing season of the NFL. And we're not even done playing games yet, but we are at the point here where we are hitting some rumors and we will not know for sure until we get closer to March and free agency and the tag deadline and all of that fun stuff. But our first piece of league news here is Seattle finally has a head coach. And they hire Mike McDonald as their head coach. Alex, how do you feel about this coaching hire? He's well thought of around the league, and they snatched him away from the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders were set after Ben Johnson pulled back his candidacy. They were set to hire Mike McDonald, and Mike McDonald got a better offer from Seattle. It seems like a decent head coaching hire. I hope it means they're going to run the ball more with Kenneth Walker. We'll see if that happens, but it's a new regime in seattle and hopefully they will be able to compete with the 49ers and the los angeles rams so we'll see yeah and you say it's a new regime but we cannot forget that pete carroll is still looming around there somewhere looking in meetings and throwing footballs exactly so just uh to keep in the back of your mind that it may not be as different as we hope but uh it is a new era And I think they have some very vital questions going into 2024, like who their quarterback's going to be this year and going forward. Something that probably a new head coach would want answered sooner rather than later. I know, Alex, you would vote for one more year of Geno, but I think we both can agree that Geno is probably not a hoist the trophy guy. So if you don't have a hoist the trophy guy, it might just be easier to move on sooner rather than later but i know you're a big geno guy and uh, maybe they'll give him one more year but there is talk i know we just mentioned beat writer season there is talk of drew lock getting a shot at the job as well i don't think drew lock is good enough in the nfl um i if i was seattle i'd keep geno as a starter for this season but i'd draft someone like bo nix and have bo nix sit for a year behind geno because i think he's someone that could potentially take this offense to the next step and he might be available lower in the first round so that's what i would do anyway don't know if that's something they do just a thought yeah for sure uh we'll see where which direction they go in it's a defensive guy which was a little bit surprising because you know how i feel about defensive guys getting hired in the nfl 
but here we are. And we'll see how the offense looks with another defensive head coach in Seattle. And we'll see what the defense looks like. Hopefully you can turn around the defense, make them more Legion of Boom-ish or something similar or uh, equivalent. But uh, that wasn't the only coaching hire. I know you mentioned the commanders. I know you mentioned Mike McDonald getting snatched away from the commanders. And the commanders now have a new head coach in former Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn now. So what are your thoughts on Dan Quinn getting uh, this head coaching job? So, I mean, a lot of people don't like retreads, and I can understand that. And I can understand people not optimistic the way that Dallas crumbled in the playoffs with Dan Quinn running the defense and the defense falling apart, or Dan Quinn struggling against Anaheim uh, schemes. I can understand that. But he did take the Falcons to the Super Bowl. The Falcons had better offensive success when Danny Quinn was head coach than when Arthur Smith was. Uh, Dan Quinn is going to take the CEO approach at head coach where he has his coordinators actually calling their own plays. So he won't be the main schemer, but he'll help things run smoothly. That's the thought. If I'm being skeptical, I'd almost think that he was the, the cheaper option at head coach, which is very strange to me because Josh Harris is supposed to be worth like $7 billion. So I don't know why he would cheap out with head coach and not pay the uh, top tier guys more money to be the head coach there. So I don't know what to believe on that front. And I know that uh, Washington's been throwing some shade uh, with Ben Johnson through back channel. And I, I don't know what to make of it. I just think it's a bad look for a team who just got past Dan Snyder. And now it looks like things might not change with Josh Harris as the owner. Maybe this will just blow past and maybe Dan Quinn will be really good. I don't know. But I don't think it's the worst hire. I think it's more like a B or B minus hire. Yeah, um, I don't think he'll be quite as bad as the scandals that Dan Snyder left behind. So I think we're still a ways away from from that piece of it. Um, I am shocked that it came down to money, especially considering he's a brand new owner, wanting to make a splash, still paying Ron Rivera, if I'm not mistaken, for a year or two. So there is that. And I, you know I have concerns about... Uh, CEO approach because what happens when that offensive coordinator either gets fired, gets a promotion, etc. Do they have to start over from scratch and ground one? Because I do prefer a coach to quote unquote have their system, at least on one side of the ball, preferably offense. And that is not going to be the case in Washington. It will be interesting to see what they do at the quarterback position. And uh if they move forward with Sam Howell getting a second year, or if they more likely draft a quarterback to compete with Howell and probably overtake Howell in the 2024 season. So, I mean, we can talk about, they are also parting ways with Eric the enemy. Yes, um, he is the enemy of the fans of Washington as well. He did not improve the, the system from the previous year. And now there's some kind of indication for teams not giving Eric the enemy a head coaching job. So he is out the door. They said they will not retain him. And Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona Cardinals head coach who left for Thailand, who came back and coached for USC, is now joining as the offensive coordinator after uh, pulling out with a deal with the Raiders. So he is now there. You know, Washington picks at number two. And the number one supposed quarterback is Caleb Williams, who also played for him at USC. So there's some links there. 
So there's a lot going on with the commanders, Jeff. I was just curious how you feel about all of those things. So Bianami is not the coach that we thought he was. Um, he's unemployed at this exact moment, and we thought he was a head coaching candidate at one point. So I think that speaks volumes. I think this also should speak volumes to Ben Johnson. I know you think that Ben Johnson's going to get another chance. There are rumors that Ben Johnson didn't inform the commanders that he wasn't accepting their job until Washington was already airborne on their way to Detroit. So if that's the case, then that's kind of unacceptable at this point as well. But uh, I don't think drama around a potential head coaching hire is a good look for Ben Johnson or the new commander's owner, Josh Harris, as well. So it's this could be the thing that, that uh, derails Ben Johnson's hope for a head coaching job. But I know you think otherwise, and you think that he's going to get that shot in the future. Yeah. But Biennemi, not really surprising. We knew that was Patrick Mahomes, or at least I knew it was Patrick Mahomes the whole time. Um, and it was the Andy Reid offense. So now he's unemployed, and we'll see if he gets picked up somewhere or if he just has to take a season off at home. And you had said that Caleb... Williams uh, is a possibility with Cliff Kingsbury going to the commanders, which is funny because he pulled out of the Raiders job due to contract dispute and he signed with the commanders who are known to be cheap, which that kind of contradicts everything that we had just been talking about with Ben Johnson in the, in the money aspect of it, if they're willing to pay him more than the Raiders were, but the Raiders are one of the poorest franchises in the NFL, as we know. So not really surprising, but Caleb Williams saga, is does he want to go to Chicago or not? Does he want to go to Washington at two? It really doesn't matter, to be honest. What does Chicago want to do at one? Do they want to draft and convince Caleb Williams that this is the place to be? Or do they want to move in a different direction like Drake May? But it does seem like no matter what I've heard or read, it does seem like Chicago is intent on keeping the number one pick or really close to the number one pick, which tells me that they're going to go quarterback regardless if they trade this pick or not. So if they move back one spot to the commanders, let commanders take Caleb Williams and they take Drake May, that tells me that they're leaning towards going into the quarterback position. I think there's a non-zero chance the commanders trade up from two to one to take Caleb Williams. Um, I just think that that would probably be a fit for, for everyone involved. I know personally right now I'm leaning towards if I'm Chicago, if I can pick up a second round pick and a first round pick next year from the commanders with the number two, I'm moving down one spot. I personally am leaning towards Drake May over um, Caleb Williams as far as my quarterback rankings go. And I think both guys regressed a little bit from 2022 to 2023, which is ironic for Caleb Williams because Cliff Kingsbury, as soon as he got there, Caleb Williams regressed. So if he's his NFL head coach, uh, I'd be a little worried if I'm a, a fan. I think he, his offense is kind of predictable, and, and it's been pointed out that he was Patrick Mahomes' coach at Texas Tech, and they didn't win very much. I think they were like 7-5, and five, and they didn't really go anywhere. So I'm not sure that Cliff Kingsbury is a legitimate offensive mind. I, I think that um, he's best as a Josh McDaniels role, maybe, at, at most, or maybe going back to college. But I don't know how you feel about Cliff Kingsbury as a as a coach. But as far as I think, Chicago, I think it's okay. I don't think I don't think Caleb's a guy, and I think that they could risk making a mistake if they take him. So I would just 
get more draft picks, move down and take Drake May, who I think is a better quarterback right now. Yeah, I think it's really going to just boil down to what Chicago wants to do and how they evaluate their players. If they're close enough to move down, they will. But if they rate Caleb Williams much higher than Drake May, then I could easily see them staying put no matter what Washington would offer to them because they're playing with house money, as we've mentioned. So it's not like this pick, this number one pick is theirs. It came from Carolina. So they're playing with house money already. So sometimes it's not better to reinvest house money and just take the guy that you want. I don't know. I think if you can get more picks, you should do it. (laughs) Me personally, that's colored because I don't think Caleb Williams is the guy. I think he has all the talent in the world, but he is very immature. He's very lazy. He just won't stay in the pocket. He's always trying to get out of the pocket. And USC had a really good offensive line, so it's not even pass rush. He just wants to get to the outside and he holds on to the ball just as long as Justin Fields does. So I don't know if it's an improvement on that standpoint. And an I don't know. I, I just don't see it with him. <laughs> it's an improvement. on I, Drake may Drake may yeah. would still be just as cheap. And Drake may has a chance to be almost a Justin Herbert type. That's his upside okay. is being close to Justin Herbert. But you're down on Justin Herbert this year, sir. I'm down fantasy wise, not NFL wise. I want to be very clear about that. Are you sure? Very sure. Right. They're going to a more balanced rushing attack. Absolutely. So we'll see where this Caleb Williams saga goes. Obviously, it won't heat up until after the Super Bowl. And teams can start trading again. And we can kind of get closer to free agency, which we expect some quarterback moving around edge with like Russell Wilson, maybe even Justin Fields. So there is some quarterbacks that could be moved this year. Even Zach Wilson, I've heard for a late pick. Um, but speaking of quarterbacks and moves, uh, Teddy Bridgewater retires from the NFL to become the head coach of his high school team. So pretty cool career move. I think he's 31. So like he still had enough left in the tank to be a backup, but he decided to move on with his career. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to go for a long-term coaching career, but he wants to stay with football and do something a little bit less demanding. Good for him. Absolutely. And he had that one catastrophic knee injury in the preseason in a practice that caused the Vikings to trade for Sam Bradford, a name that we didn't think we'd ever bring up again, but kind of changed the uh, course of history. They brought in a guy known to have known to be fragile and suffer injuries to fill in for a guy who had a catastrophic injury. But Teddy Bridgewater, I'd never know if he would have been something if it wasn't for that knee. I I don't know if he would have been or not. But, but it, led being... the, it led the Eagles down a path of Wentz and Hurts and, and Nick Foles in a Super Bowl. So kind of yeah. worked out well for uh, the Eagles there. But uh, And Sam Bradford, I believe, has made the most amount of money for a quarterback that with the fewest amount of games played. So guy kept getting paid no matter what. Sam Bradford's the reason why there's a rookie salary cap for draft picks. He was the last non-slotted um, pick. Now the only thing that they fight over is whether there's offset language or not. So if you get mm-hmm. caught and you go to a new team, whether it offsets or you get all new, you get to keep both salaries. Like that's the only thing that is a, a issue in these contracts, right? So right. do you want to cover the drama here around the Jets? What happened? You can cover it. I don't. Are you sure? Are you sure? I know he's your boy, Aaron Rodgers. Him and Hackett appear to have this organizational structure organizational flow that is just not conducive to growth i guess is the best way to put it and there's a bunch of sources leaking to national media inside the organization about this and we're at the point now where robert sala is considering taking coaching staff members 
bones just to see who's contributing or doing the leaking. And I don't know, man, this doesn't really seem like a good uh, productive environment for winning in the NFL. So I feel like lack of trust and the paranoia is going to be the downfall of this never dynasty because Aaron Rodgers may not play very much for the Jets when it's all said and done. I think somebody in the front office was fired for this. Uh, the assistant GM or something like that who was fired. Yeah, I think his last name was Hogan. Rex Definite Hogan. mutually parted ways is what they what it said. So it makes me think that he was the main leak. I can't right stand the that kind time. of stuff. I can't, I can't stand people just leaking out that stuff, especially since it's probably mostly BS, too. Yeah, but uh, we can both agree that Nathaniel Hackett probably shouldn't be an offensive coordinator at this point in this league. And the only reason he is is because of Aaron Rodgers. So, like, there's a lot of dots that we could connect with the leak that we couldn't really before, but we had suspicions about. So now we just need to kind of see where this goes. Like, is this the end of it? Is this the squash on it? Or is it because of another circumstance, I guess, would be the best way to put it. I don't know. I, I just think the whole Jets organization is has a little bit of toxicity to them and dysfunction. For and sure. this certainly isn't going to help anything. It's not going to help them win. <laughs> no, and I think there's already players like Garrett Wilson that are not happy on this team, and I can't prove it, but I can take his comments from his exit interview saying that this was the most miserable year of his life, and he's going to have to like mentally recuperate from this year. So that just tells me that it's not a good environment right now when one of your star players, because we both can agree that Garrett Wilson's a star, is saying this. And uh, yeah, so we'll see who's leaking. We'll see if he'll take the phones. That would be interesting. Um, but it doesn't really build a culture of trust for Robert Sala either. And it kind of paints him in a paranoid picture. And it also paints him as a rollover to Aaron Rodgers, allowing Aaron Rodgers to pick the offensive coordinator. So I'm wondering if this puts Robert, the things that I just outlined, I wonder if that puts him on thin ice going into this year. Yeah, I think he's a goner if things go sideways again. So there is that. All right. So speaking about drama in the AFC East, Stefan Diggs came out this week saying he's unsure of his future in Buffalo and cutting and trading him would not save actual cap space, but it would save uh, real dollars. And so... We'll see if the Buffalo owner decides to do that. Buffalo owner is not really known to be one of the cheaper owners in the league. Pagula uh, is actually one of the more rich owners uh, in the league. So it'll be interesting. I don't know if Diggs is trying to force his way out of Buffalo. I don't know what situation he thinks is going to be better. Maybe he wants to go play with his brother in Dallas. But Buffalo seems like the best place. He's playing with one of the top like four or five quarterback talents in the NFL right now. So I just don't know what he thinks he's going to get better at the wide receiver position than what he has currently. Don't they say always be careful of thinking the grass is going to be greener on the other side? This might be a case of that for Stefan Diggs. Yeah, he's starting to develop a reputation of sort of a locker room cancer and someone who just is never happy. And At the very least, diva. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I can't see any realistic opportunity for him to go anywhere else. If Kansas City all of a sudden had a bunch of cap space, maybe, but why would Buffalo trade him to Kansas City? Where else is he going to go? I mean, Dallas is the only reasonable spot, in my opinion. 
So he can play with his brother, and it's in the other conference. That's the only place that would possibly make sense. But I don't see him leaving Buffalo. I don't see them parting ways with him this year. Without him, they wouldn't have somebody else. He's certainly not going to be traded for C.D. Lamb, despite your your best hopes. That's never gonna, he's never going to be swapped for someone like C.D. Lamb. They would trade him to be the second guy to C.D. Lamb in, in Dallas, but they would expect a decent return, especially if they're on the hook for a big cap hit, especially the first year. I just don't see it. I don't see him moving. They need to get help for him, not trade him away, in my opinion. Yeah, they need to have a second weapon that is scary enough to take some coverage away from him, and that's just it's just not this. Well, there's actual trade rumors around A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles, but that seems to have come from nowhere and have no sources because both A.J. Brown and the team denied any trade talks. The team had a spokesperson that emphatically said, that that is not a real thing. They've never, ever talked about trading him, and it's fake news. So I don't know why someone put that out there. Uh, maybe with his injury struggles of late and his, the second half of the year, how he cooled down, maybe they'd want to move on from him. I just don't get it. I, I don't know. Do you see that being a feasible thing this year? So I think with last year, the struggles that he had, the – it did seem like he was a little bit noisy about his lack of involvement into the offense. The offense collapsed. The team collapsed. Um, so I think it is beat writers kind of connecting the dots without actual facts. And this is kind of what we talked about very early on. Be careful who you believe and what you believe without actually substantiated facts. Um, try to get like two or three actual sources that aren't connected before you start believing something. But uh AJ Brown being traded, I can't see it this year, but at some point I could see them electing to keep Devonta Smith over AJ Brown when it comes time to pay Devonta Smith. And that'll be really interesting because I do think Miami has a similar scenario with paying Tua, which they've agreed that they're going to do this offseason for from everything that I've heard. I wonder how that's going to be structured. I wonder if there's going to be some medical language in there, like maybe around a concussion-based type thing. But with Miami, they're going to have to decide between Waddle and Hill at some point. I know Hill said he's going to get two more years in. We'll see. But uh, and maybe that kind of gives them a reprieve there. But at some point, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith probably will not play on the same team, especially with Hurts getting over $50 million a season. I'm really curious what A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith can do with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. <laughs> I know we poo-pooed on his season, but five weeks into the year, they were a top five offense in Los Angeles. So I think so it wasn't Moore, only what happened in LA. It was what happened in Dallas after he left as well. So it was I mean, uh, Dallas, surprising. Dallas, they got locked into basically one player and that's CD lamb. CD lamb he's exploded, but he got, he got all the targets. Yeah. And he's great. And he performed well. And then the chargers, everybody got hurt. And so, Keenan Allen got locked into. So it was, it was kind of funny. They broke up Kellen Moore and McCarthy, and then they both ended up kind of doing the same thing offensively. I think you'll see Herbert throw less interceptions this year, kind of like Dak threw less interceptions this year. I just think that Kellen Moore's system, and I also think it's funny because I think Dak was coming off a finger injury, and I think Justin Herbert was coming off of a finger injury. So I think it's just uh, it's interesting. This could be the time that Dak and Justin Herbert kind of mirror each other. And Justin Herbert has a, close to an MVP type year 
given his efficiency this upcoming off season. So obviously it all depends on what they do at running back. Dallas didn't do much at running back last year. Hopefully the chargers can do something to replace Eckler because it's time to move on from him. I just think with Harbaugh and Greg Roman in Los Angeles now, I think that they're going to be a more balanced approach. So they're going to run the ball more. They're going to run the ball more efficiently. I just don't see sure. Herbert slinging it as a top five fantasy quarterback, or maybe even not even top 10. I think he might fall in the quarterback two range based on how I think the offense is going to play out. I think he'll be more efficient. But I don't. That I just don't think difference. he'll get the big stats that we're might accustomed run more to. Too. I mean, that's possible. I think that it, it'll equate to more wins. I like Justin Herbert. I want to be very clear. I like Justin Herbert, the NFL quarterback. I just think the the offensive scheme shift under Harbaugh is going to be less passing, a little bit more running than we're accustomed to. Herbert being very efficient. I just don't see the same numbers getting put up. So. I don't think Herbert's going to have an MVP season unless Harbaugh is just out of the blue 30 years, 30 plus years into his career. I I want to see my quarterback sling it now. And that would be quite a change. I'm not saying it's impossible, but that would be a huge departure from what he's done over the last like 15, 20 years of his coaching career. What if Justin Herbert, instead of getting 245 and two for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, if he goes like say 405, I mean, that's a big bump in rushing, and it's possible over the course of a season. What if he drops 500, 700 yards passing, less than what he's accustomed to? Yeah, that's where the rushing yards would would help a little bit there. But uh, I still got him netted right now for 4,500 yards passing. Obviously, I'll adjust that and reevaluate that as we go. But uh, I got him with 29 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, and that kind of puts him in at QB nine on projections right now so i'm lower than him than normal but higher than him than a qb2 i think his yards are going to be less than four okay. and i would i would wager around 3600 is where i think his yards are going to be passing dang we might have a bat offline we may have maybe sir we need to actually start keeping track of these things yeah i feel like that's really low and uh yeah we'll uh we'll add a section on our notes where we start keeping track of this but uh, I see him getting at least 4,100 yards, and I would set the over-under at 4,100. And I know you would I take would, the under? I would say it, it's got to be at least 300 yards more than any quarterback he had with San Francisco. At least at least 300 yards more. Just, you got to account for him being a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick or Alex Smith. So what would that make it be? We'll have to look 30. that up. Probably close to 3,900, maybe. How many years did he coach for the 49ers? 2011 to 2000. Does that sound right? Four years. So, and he won coach of the year in 20. So, as a coach, let's see here. I just, of course, we don't get a breakdown of yards and stats, but it's kind of where we're at right now. I'm trying to figure that out. And we'll, uh, we'll get a bet going here and we'll let you guys know what that bet is once we get it fully locked in. But uh, I could easily see, so Colin Kaepernick was one or two of the years, and Alex Smith was one or two of the years. Uh, does Kaepernick make a return to the NFL under Harbaugh? No. Zero percent chance. As the backup to Herbert? Zero percent chance. Okay. I just wanted to see what you would say. He was so All right. good as a head coach. Harbaugh, yeah. yeah. He got to go to the Super Bowl against his brother. We had a Harbaugh Bowl. He had double-digit wins every year that he was a head coach except for the last year. And then he lost out to the GM at the time. And uh, yeah. I think that was a silly mistake. So in 2011 or in 2014, 
San Francisco had 3,400 yards passing, so I'm going to add all the quarterbacks up together. I'm not going to just give you one quarterback. In 2013, they had approximately 3,200 yards. So there we go there. And then in 2012, they had 3,500 yards. And in 2011, when he first took over, they had 3,100 yards. So I was still going with 4,100 yards, giving you that. It's more than 300, more than any one of these. So I would even go up to 4,200 if you want to feel froggy there for a second. I'll let you think about it. We'll think about it offline and we'll let the folks know some of our bets here in a later episode coming up. I think we'll have to do our bets. I guess it depends on what the bet is. But if we're doing on season performance, we can do it after free agency and draft picks and stuff. So we can at least see what the expected outlook will be. And then we can make those kind of bets. But if we're making bets on like the draft or how free agency goes, we can certainly do that before those. Yeah. And in an ideal world, I would like to take like nine things that we bet on. And then whoever wins five out of the nine wins the the bet. And kind of, well, it'd be the most fair that way because it wouldn't be just a freak injury to Justin Herbert on week two where where i can't get 4200 yards anymore but uh yeah um so anyways we can go ahead and move on and we'll let everyone know as soon as we come up with those bets and how many there are and how many jelly beans that we'll be betting for um the retirement news continues here because we talked about teddy bridgewater earlier rex burkhead retires after 10 years he had a great career with the patriots and he finished his career with the texans and that will end his career here after 10 years, which is quite a long time for an NFL running back. He had some fantasy-relevant seasons as well, taken away from my James White and uh, other players on the Patriots because we know how they like to slice up their running back pie. Anything you would like to say about Rex Burkhead? I'm just glad he's not on the Texans anymore. I hear you guys are in the market for a veteran running back, and we'll see if you guys actually go through with it or not. But it would make sense given Singletary's a free agent and Pierce didn't live up to his rookie hype this year. Yeah, you and I were talking about this offline, and I would, I would like to have Singletary back on a reasonable deal, but plus, either draft someone to go with him, or maybe someone like Derrick Henry, who you've played against a few times every year, maybe have against Derrick Henry. Yeah, he killed me. I think Derrick uh, Henry would be interesting with this offense, but they still need. No matter what they do at running back, they still need to improve at center and at one of their guard positions to be able to get some push because their run blocking is still pretty bad as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and Henry's not really a guy that needs push, basically. So he's a guy that creates push throughout a game. But you have to be patient with Henry because his second half is always better than his first half after he wears down a defense. So, And a lot of teams don't have the bandwidth to be that patient. The last bit of news is the NFL is going to Brazil for the first time ever. And in this matchup here, the Eagles will be hosting. We do not know the opponent yet, but as we have mentioned previously, the NFC gets nine home games this year. AFC gets eight home games this year. So it makes sense to have NFC game hosting all of the international games. And this game is taking place on Friday, September 6th from everything that I understand, which is crazy because opening day kickoff, opening kickoff is on Thursday, September 5th this year. So we get back-to-back days with games to kick off the season. Totally pumped for it. I know that like if I'm in a tiebreaker of players, I will always lean towards the players that are playing on that Thursday night because I like to watch my players play on primetime. 
And I guess this gives me another tiebreaker going into the week as a Friday night or Friday night game. I'm assuming it's Friday night, considering they're closer to their our time zone, but uh, they really haven't defined that yet. But we get football Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and probably one or two games on Monday. Like I don't know if that does away with the doubleheader on the Monday of kickoff weekend, or I don't think there was one this year. So we'll see. But I'm kind of pumped for it. I like these international games. It's really growing the game. That will be interesting how that plays out. It's interesting that they're doing a team like the Eagles because usually they, they do like a really bad team. So, I mean, I, I agree with all that. I, I can't wait to see it. Absolutely. All right. Now we're down to Alex's corner of Senior Bowl stocks. Now, Alex, this was the most exciting game you've ever seen in your entire life. Tell me about this really, really exciting game from last weekend. Just being a little facetious there, it was uh, kind of slow, even for senior bowl standards. Um, and, and again, we watch this kind of stuff because last several drafts, there's been guys like uh, Tajay Spears, Michael Wilson, Tank Dell, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, and Puka Nakua, who stood out either in practice or in the game itself and had their draft stock rise or had teams like them because they worked with them during the senior bowl or saw their work in the senior bowl. And there's been guys historically, like a Dak Prescott, got noticed by the Cowboys because he did well in the Senior Bowl. And I think that someone who did really well in the Senior Bowl was Spencer Rattler, who I think compares to a Dak Prescott prospect very similarly. So I think he has a chance to to go through the same thing that Dak Prescott did, be an upper middle round pick, go to a team and potentially end up being a starter. Um, Dak now is much higher than what people thought as Dak as a prospect, but he was still pretty solid. So I think Spencer Rattler, someone that made a name for himself and validated some scouts' opinions that he's the number one quarterback in this draft, which is very interesting to me. I think Bo Nix didn't really do enough to move the needle one way or the other, and I don't think he was terrible. I don't think he was great, so I'd still say he's about the same. Can't really read too much in the senior bowl. Michael Penix was having, in my opinion, some really bad practices and pulled himself out from actually playing in the senior bowl. So in my opinion, Michael Penix's stock is down. I think he probably goes in the second round now. I, I don't see much of a path at this moment for him to go in the first round. So that pretty much wraps it up for quarterbacks for me. I don't think that the other quarterbacks really did much to help themselves. And I don't really view any of the other guys as going anywhere near the first round or being dynasty worthy to talk about either way so wide receivers that help themselves lad mcconkey out of georgia he he played very well out of the slot brendan rice jerry rice's son from usc uh, i thought he played very well and he's reportedly had great practices the entire week leading up to it i think tez walker from unc drake mays wide receiver i think he looked pretty bad he dropped a lot of open passes and he had some dimes hit him in the hands and he dropped it and he's been bad in practice so i think he was viewed before this as a borderline round one talent just athletically i think he's now second or third round i think he's really hurt himself so he'll have to have a good combine and pro day to pump his stock back up ricky pearsall out of florida he looked really athletic he looked really fast uh, he burned some coverage, so I, I think he excited a few people. I think his stock is up, and Roman Wilson out of Michigan looked good both in the Senior Bowl, and he was the talk of the the week of practice 
for the Senior Bowl as well. So he is someone that might rise up draft boards. Running backs, there really wasn't much to talk about running back-wise. Marshawn Lloyd out of USC looked really good, and Cody Schrader out of Missouri. Those are the only two guys that really caught my notice throughout this process. And it is a weak running back draft class, so there may not be that much fantasy-wise to to talk about out of that group. We'll see. That may change as we get closer to the combine and we get closer to the pro days. But that's pretty much my wrap-up there, Jeff. So just because you said this, it means that there's going to be at least one or two stud running backs that come out of this, right, out of nowhere? Like a probably, probably not one I named. Yep. <laughs> but these, these were the guys that were involved in the Senior Bowl. There's other guys that I like that weren't part of the Senior Bowl. That's true. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, obviously, we had a couple of injuries during Senior Bowl week as well, which may tank some people's draft stocks, but might be someone to target later in rookie drafts. I like when stocks tank because that's when I buy, buy, buy. Yep. Uh, Rasheen Ali is a running back that I'd highlighted before the Senior Bowl, and he's one of the ones that got injured, so we didn't get to see him. Um, Jalen Wright, I didn't see much from him. And he is another running back that I was looking forward to seeing. All right. So, Alex, now that we're done with the Senior Bowl, it, we have one thing left to do today, and that is a preview. Super Bowl 58 between the 49ers and the Chiefs in Las Vegas. And we kind of have to lay down our pick here. So, Alex, I'm going to let you get started with this here because you've kicked my butt in picks the entire time. I already have my pick lined out here. Shouldn't be too hard to figure out who my pick is. But uh, I'm going to let you break down this game and ex- and let me know how you expect it to go. Well, that's really difficult because these are two really good teams. In some ways, they, they match up with each other really well. But I really want the 49ers to win. So I'm going to root for the 49ers. I'm going to choose them. I think their defense is pretty solid, not great. I think their offense is phenomenal. I think that they're, they're actually good passing and running. Uh, the Chiefs are weak against the rush. So I expect the Chiefs to somehow try to compensate for that, which means Brock Brock Purdy is going to have to play against a decent Chiefs secondary that's very physical with wide receivers in their coverage. So I'm still going 49ers. I I don't think it's going to be easy, but I don't think you can count Patrick Mahomes out ever. So Jeff, I'm very curious if you're going Chiefs, if your team Taylor Swift on this one. So I'm going to go the Chiefs in this matchup, and I don't think it's going to be a particularly close matchup. Uh, there's a few things that the 49ers are doing right now that I don't particularly love as they are complaining about they're pre complaining about things. They're complaining about the condition of the practice field. They're complaining about the chiefs holding on the offensive line. Like the game hasn't even been played yet. And they're already having this mentality of excuses. And I just, I really don't like that per se. Um, and you know how I feel about Brock Purdy. This game boils down to Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. Give me Patrick Mahomes 10 times out of 10. And uh, Patrick Mahomes has been here. The moment's not going to be too big for him. And I worry that the moment will be too big for Brock Purdy here with the big lights and the Super Bowl and an extra long halftime show with Usher. I don't know. It's tough for me because I think the Chiefs can absolutely win. But uh, the 49ers are averaging seven points more than the Chiefs. So I think if they score 24 or more points, they'll probably win. But if they don't, I, I think the Chiefs have a good chance of winning because the Chiefs' defense is is very good. Right. So we're going opposite here, and you're probably going to win because that's just the way that the season has went. Um, 
but I'm sticking with my guns here, and I do believe that the Chiefs win. And you have a prediction for the final score, or do you not like to do a final score prediction? I typically don't. Okay. If I'm going the Chiefs, I'm going to go 27 to 14. I'm going to go... I don't like to do it, but I'll, I'll try. I'm going to go 31 to 27. Okay. All right. We'll see if Christian McCaffrey can get it done on the ground because that could be the big difference there. I really would like to see a Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey Super Bowl victory so they can be just like their, their dad. That is true. That would be a kind of a cool full circle moment. And I love Christian McCaffrey from his time in Carolina. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves and remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again and peace up, A Town, for Usher.